Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. This is Marshall Fan with GFA Missions. Welcome to our next uh, podcast of ReChurch. Have a good friend with us, uh, Dave Smith. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. It's great to be with you. Yeah, so uh, you can call him Pastor Dave Smith or Missionary Board Director Dave Smith and, and uh, Missionary Dave Smith. So all those things, uh, all those hats he wears and has worn at one time or another. So I tell you what, let me lay out what we're going to try to accomplish. Then I want to introduce you and why I wanted you to speak to us on this, okay? So um, you and I were talking, but others are talking. So churches often really, you know, a missionary comes and he presents his needs and there's a tug on the heart of all the people. Oh, Pastor, we need to support him. Uh, he's got a great family and, you know, and everything. But really, there, there's no guiding policy to say, okay, this is what we believe a biblical philosophy of mission should look like through the local church, okay? So the purpose of this podcast is really to really, really, Dave, I want you to help us define what is a mission policy, you know, what are some key components in the mission policy, um, what it should include, what it should exclude. Uh, Those are the kind of things uh, I want to walk through. So again, thanks for your, in advance for your help on this. Now, Tell everybody who you are, uh, your background, and how you kind of arrived at the point where you are in ministry today. Yeah, well, thank you again for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And I grew up as a missionary kid. Uh, My parents served in the country of Papua New Guinea. Uh, They started their missionary training right after I was born, and then I was three years old uh, when we arrived on the field. So I grew up there as an MK. I came back to the U.S., went to college, uh, moved to Greenville, uh, actually through a job, started coming to Morningside Baptist Church, which is our home church, and that's how I met my wife, Sean, and then God called us into missions, and we went back to Papua New Guinea, served as missionaries for 10 years there, and then I started having, uh, getting really sick. I was very seriously ill through all of that, uh, talking with uh, Pastor Miller, our pastor at the time, Tony Miller. Right. Uh, through that, God led us to come back and serve first as the assistant director and then becoming the director of Open Door Baptist Missions, and then a little bit later becoming the missions pastor here at Morningside and that, those are the two hats that I wear and serve now under Pastor Josh Crockett, our current senior pastor here at Morningside. All right. So for those who are not familiar with Morningside, uh, I mean, Open Door. So Open Door is really a part of Morningside. So Open Door, I mean, you tell me the relationship. So Open Door is the mission board arm of Morningside. Is that, uh, is that a clear description or is it something different? No, that's that's correct. We, we function as a typical mission agency right. like GFA. Um, we're smaller, uh, but what makes us unique or a little bit unique, I guess, 
is that we are a full ministry of the church. So our offices are right here. Now, that doesn't mean that we only serve Morningside missionaries. We serve missionaries with other like-minded churches. Sure. But our board of the mission is made up of members of the church. Our offices are, are right here in the church. I serve under the leadership of Pastor Crockett. Right. And so it's it's that local church. Local church is uh, just really in our DNA. Right. Okay. And, and so that's the relationship. And, and I really, I wanted somebody from another board to have this discussion with. So it, it might just doesn't think, oh, this is just GFA's way to do it. Okay. And again, uh, I've been a pastor. You're a pastor now. You pastored on the field as well. So really, what I want to look at is, okay, from a pastor's heart, how does a pastor develop a written missions policy? Okay, so first, let's go back to my question I started with. So, uh, and, and I know this is, so I'm asking you to look at all this through your lens, okay, of your experience and where I, I may throw something in there a little bit different, that'll be fine. But, you know, so really, I want, I want Dave Smith to share his heart. Okay, so Dave, what, what would be a working definition of a missions policy? Well, I think it outlines your philosophy of missions uh, based on scripture, of course. And then that fleshes out into what are your priorities and and your practices that come out of that sound biblical philosophy and kind of lay the groundwork for how your local church missions program is going to go forward and function and serve missionaries. So it's, it's going to involve the details but you want those core philosophy of missions uh, kind of worked out. And it's, it's going to be helpful in giving to missionaries, but I think it's really going to help the pastor and the church as they work through their missions ministry. All right. So the, the mission, I know because uh, I've got your missions policy here. And by the way, in the show notes, we will have Morningside's missions policy as well as the church where I pastor Harvest Baptist, both those mission policies will be in the show notes. Uh, so other for, for our watchers and listeners to reference, but so in your missions policy, you really got four main points, purpose, principles, priorities, and practice. So as we, as we look at that and, and Dave, what I want you to comment on is, all right, we're talking to a, a church member, a deacon, a missions committee person. And, and they said, okay, so really I mean, I understand your four P's here, but what, what are some key points? Okay. So Dave, just go through some, like, how would you even determine what should be in the missions policy? I mean, we know it's got your philosophy and we, we get that out of scripture, right? But how did you even come up with, you know, like I know in yours, you have, you have a disciple making focus, uh, is one of the key. I think one of your keys here with, your missionaries, you want them, you know, committed to evangelism and disciple making, right? Right. Okay. So as you work through this and make, and you got, you got three things to glorify God, make disciples and plant churches. All right. So that's Morningside's um, purpose uh, uh, of what they're trying to do through the, through the missions program. Is there anything, so is somebody starting from scratch is there anything else you would tweak on that? Is there anything else you would explain uh, for uh, someone trying to develop a policy? Well, I think the purpose 
uh, you know, for our like-minded churches, I think it's, it's pretty obvious and pretty clear, but I think it's necessary to write it down and have right. it written, think right. through so, it. All right, why don't we so, write it down? What would be some reasons? Um, um, this is, um, um, what would be some reasons to write it down? Well, it's easy to point to. It's easy to look at, remind yourself. Um, and I think it's something that it's good to look over, uh, revise, update. Now, your purpose, that's probably going to stay the same. Right. Your core principles will probably stay the same. But then thinking through, okay, how are we really flushing these out? And so when you get into aspects of missiology, so missiology flows out of theology. Okay. And for example, is a local church going to support a lot of missionaries for a small amount or support less missionaries for a larger amount, a greater investment in fewer missionaries? Well, that's not a doctrinal issue that we would separate over. But it is a missiological issue that you really want to think through because it's going to have an impact, especially down the road. Um, with, with churches, how are they set up? Do missionaries pay pastor salaries? As American churches, do we support national pastors? Okay. Again, those are things that we wouldn't necessarily separate over, right. but it's something that you really want to think through and have some biblical foundation, uh, even though like good, good mind, good brothers, like-minded brothers may uh, take different paths. You really want to think through those things because it's, it's going to have an impact down the road. All right. And putting this in writing makes you think through it as well as it gives you something to show your missionary candidates or, or somebody wanting to come to your church to be supported. It gives you a framework to talk through what required or what you expect of them. I shouldn't say required of them, but it, it, it clearly tells where the church is on this, right? So if they're going to partner together, uh, the missionary needs to know where the philosophy of the church is. So then you can find out, make sure the philosophies match up. Correct. Yeah. It, it's a definitely a tool that's helpful in communicating and working with missionaries to make sure you're on the same page, same philosophy, same missiology. I think it's also helpful to your church. Um, and some, you know, some of your members, it may be something that you can give to them. I think it also kind of helps you stay on track in your teaching and that you're, you're thinking about, you know, in my teaching and preaching that this is really coming through mm. and maybe even having special emphasis uh, in your missions conference, definitely one of the things we did a few summers ago uh, was Pastor Crockett had me lead a summer series on understanding missions mm-hmm. and just hitting some key issues of missions uh, Wednesday nights, Sunday nights. Uh, I did a lot of the preaching, but not all of it. Um, but just going through some of those, what's good missiology, what's conservative uh, missions. A lot of times we associate conservative missions and conservative missiology with conservative standards. Mm. Um, and that there, there's parts to that or missionaries come from Bible colleges, universities that we're comfortable with, but there is a conservative missiology yeah. focusing on disciple making, indigenous churches, uh, healthy contextualization, 
So a lot of these things that probably most members aren't really familiar with and um, how you teach it, you know, you want to be careful through that, but it's something that you want to do. All right, so let's go back to the comment you made, because there is a philosophical aspect of supporting fewer missionaries, but supporting those missionaries more money. And I think, and in, 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 again, I was not, my background is not in independent Bible-believing churches, okay? So I was not reared. But over the last, you know, 42, 43 years that I've been in Bible-believing churches that, that support missions as a church, you used to see the big maps, and they would put a, either a star or a light on every missionary they support, but they weren't supporting that missionary of $25, $30 a month. Okay, but now you are seeing, a, at least in the churches I'm in, you're seeing a significant shift to the, the missionaries they're supporting, they're supporting at a much higher rate. Are you seeing that same trend, or am I just living in a different no, absolutely. Okay. I'm seeing the same trend. Right. So uh, we, as a missionary, all right, so you're a missionary. You were in Papua New Guinea as well. What were the advantages of fewer churches supporting you for more money on the missionary side? Speak to that if you would, Dave. On the missionary side, uh, just as far as time on deputation, time on furlough, uh, effort in communication with your missionaries, so if churches have a missionary questionnaire, which I think is a helpful thing to do, you know, getting 12 of those yeah. is a lot better than trying to fill out 45 or, sure. or 60. Yeah. Um, so there's just a lot of practical help there. Also, I think connection, if, and this is yeah. more, I guess, from the church perspective, from the missions pastor perspective, you want your church engaged and connected with the missionaries. Absolutely. If there's this massive list or the map with all the pins or lights on it, it can be just overwhelming. Right. And so trying to break that down and have real connection, it enables when you're on furlough, to, instead of just spending a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night service, spend time in that church, be serving, really connect with people. So I think there's a lot of benefits to that. Yeah. And I think it, it really, like, so you're investing in one, in a few families, but you know, the families well, I know that families that came to our church from, let's just say a church that may support the missionaries through a cooperative program or something like that, that they didn't really know the missionaries. The, one of the greatest things they enjoyed was the fact of knowing face-to-face a missionary family. So instead of sending the money in, they had a family to pray for. They knew they knew the kids. They knew the anniversaries. They, they were actively involved in the prayer for praying for them in the missionary life. So I, I agree the fewer uh, and have more, more um, uh, investment would be maybe a word as a church invest. Right. Okay. All right, so talk to me a little bit about, um, and I'm just covering the the highlights here because Dave's email address will be in the show notes as well. So if you're putting together, you can do this. But let's talk about something that comes up often would be like missionary accountability. All right, so again, as a as a missionary, as a pastor over missions, what type what type of accountability is in your missionary uh, policy? Uh, for the missionary to be reporting back to you. So you have a healthy two-way relationship. Yeah, I would encourage uh, formal accountability, and these are things you can outline easier. 
and then as well as informal. So we just talked about like a missionary questionnaire. Right. Um, Is this those you are supporting or those that you are praying about supporting or both? Well, you can do it for both. I would say, especially for those that you're supporting okay. and you don't want it to be over burdensome. Right. Uh, but once a year or every two years, uh, just kind of following up, how are things going? Uh, share with us your blessings, uh, challenges, prayer requests, right. ask about goals. Um, and to, to kind of get a feel. And a lot of times that can lead into further discussion and then the communication that you're getting from the missionary, their, their prayer letters, uh, occasionally having phone calls, zoom meetings, things like that. Um, and then when they're in the States and you have opportunities to have them present the ministry at the church, I always try to have lunch with them or coffee. Yeah. And that's where I, I think a lot of times the informal Right. And I, from a missions pastor perspective, I want to focus on missionary care, realizing that accountability is a part of that. Mm. And so yeah. just asking questions, you know, how's this going? How are you doing this? How's the step? How's the church progressing right. uh, to be uh, becoming indigenized and standing on its own? And then if you can do field visits, which I know is expensive and right. Uh, depending on the size of church and budget, sometimes you just can't, but you can do Zoom calls and things like that. But field visits are uh, a wonderful way yeah. to have that informal right. uh, fellowship, encouragement, right. as well as accountability. And it doesn't have to be confrontational. No, it doesn't. And I think one of the blessings uh, in, in our church, the church would support me every other year going to visit a missionary firsthand. And then you see where they live. You see where they minister. And it, it just gives you a greater burden to support them even more. So I'm glad you brought that up about field visits. All right, so let's let's go back another way. One thing that I found helpful, and you can comment on if you want to, that as a pastor, a missionary that was trying to raise support, if he would call and say, hey, can we just go to lunch and let me explain who I am, where I'm going. So to did, is that is, all right, so as a mission director, would, do you recommend your missionaries to do something like that? Because it's pastors get bombarded. Um, I wish we, I mean, it's kind of a good problem, okay, because you got missionaries going to the field. But but uh, what, if you're speaking now to the missionary seeking support, how, how does that sound to you as a, as a step to get to know a pastor? Absolutely. I've given that same advice uh, to all of our new missionaries as they seek to raise support. Uh, it was something that I did uh, in the 90s when right. we were raising support. So you kind of have those initial contacts through family, churches yeah, that you've sure. been connected with are always a good place to start. But then what, what we would do is base in an area, know of like-minded churches in that area, and I would just call and ask for a 15-minute appointment. And how hard and is that? I, yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of times pastors are very open and welcome that. And I try to be very careful to protect that time uh, unless, you know, pastor, you know, was available, wanted to talk more. You know, I was always free for that. But just having that, being able to sit in his office or have coffee or, or go somewhere and just 
very briefly, I planned for 10 minutes. Uh, back then, I had a flip chart <laughs> that I would uh, present our ministry, and then yeah. I left five minutes just for question and answer, yeah. and just found that much more effective. Amen. Um, we've also seen with some of our missionaries, they'll call and, and connect with the pastor, and maybe it's face-to-face, and say, we would love to come and serve and help in your church for a week, mm. and mm. just get to know your, your church family. And we've seen God bless that. Now, a lot of churches can't do that. Right. But what we've seen churches that have been able to do that really build strong relationships from the very beginning. And we've seen out of that a tendency where they have less number of churches that right. are more invested. Amen. Because once that relationship is there, like you said on the field visit, once the relationship is there, the church wants to be more invested. Yeah. And so those are a couple of positive things that we encourage our missionaries to do. Yeah. And I agree. Like we would, um, I, 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 before we would support a missionary, they either had to come serve our vacation Bible school or be a part of a week long missions conference, you know, so we can, they can see us because it's not just about us sending them money. We won't, you know, they are a part of our church. I mean, not a member, right. But you want, you want that relationship with missionaries. All right. So let's go back to the policy. Okay. So Dave, in, in your experience, both as a pastor, as a, as open director of open door Baptist missions, what should we leave out of the policy? Okay. Cause you know, um, what, where, where, what should we stay away from in our mission policy? Well, it's interesting. We've updated ours a couple of times in the last few years. And you mentioned the, the four P's that we had, and we borrowed from a lot of other churches. So yeah, we all uh, do. We all do, right? <laughs> exactly. So if you go to the show notes and see ours, please know, you know, that is not original with us. But we initially had purpose, principles, priorities, practices, and then policies was the last one. We had retirement policy and a couple other policies. Well, in going through it, we got some, um, advice and counsel from our insurance company for the church. Okay. And they cautioned us about having too much detail. And for example, in our retirement policy, we had an age that under that age, if a missionary decided to retire, okay, we would start the retirement policy of uh, supporting them at the same rate for maybe a year and then kind of tailing off a little bit. But at a certain age, once they got to that age, then the policy would kick in. And the insurance company and their legal counsel said, ah, that you kind of open yourself up a little bit when you have those kinds of details. Yeah. So after getting input, now, what let we me say up, that now. And many churches have that. Correct. Okay. All right. So I'm, 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 Dave and I had talked and we had talked through this. Because I, I think most every mission policy I've read until you mentioned that yesterday has it. So this is so. All right. So go ahead. I just want to slow down everybody so they know what kind of what we're talking about here. And right at Morningside, we had a retirement policy for for years. Yeah. Uh, that that was helpful. So in getting counsel uh, from different perspectives, we decided to take the policy section out altogether. 
and we beefed up our principles section, okay. our priorities section, All right. and our practices section. And the counsel that we got basically said, you can keep doing the same thing that you're doing, but describe it in general terms through your principles and your priorities. Okay. And then as a church leadership, pastors, deacons, make those decisions. So we can still, uh, with missionaries that are retired, we can still partially support them, sure. you know, work through some of those things, but be careful about putting all the details in. So those details are what we took out. All right. Um, and, and so is there anything else? So avoid maybe some ages on the policy. Is there anything else? So you probably say, okay, Marsh, if you were writing it today, we would exclude, you recommend excluding or leaving out. Is there anything else like that you would leave out? And part of that, we, we took out, you know, trying to, a lot of times policies and statements grow over years. So you add this, you add that. So then it just becomes long and verbose. Yeah. So we cleaned out a lot and tried again to just focus on general principles and priorities and then allow for flexibility as you're going through time to look at each situation and apply those as a church leadership. So Initially, we had a lot of details trying to cover a lot of different situations, and then we kind of just reversed that whole approach. Yeah, because your entire missions manual is only six pages. Right, and it yeah. had been 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh, growing. 30, and 40. Yeah, so. so, yeah, it was it was helpful, and I feel more comfortable um, that way. Uh, having, you know, your missions committee and your leadership, you want to kind of keep history and okay, this yeah. is what we did before and why, but keep it fresh and flexible. So in different contexts and situations, uh, a lot of practical aspects of missions is changing. So you want your document to be flexible so you can minister more effectively and be flexible in those ways. All right. Now I'm going to do some back and forth right quick. Okay. Just for the sake of time because there's some other key points on us to get to. So what I'm trying to say is I don't want to frustrate our listeners, okay, but I want to at least lay the groundwork. Okay, here's today's email. Just think through some things, all right? So all right, um, first thing, so talk to me about geographic regions and why would you support missionaries in certain geographic regions or not in certain geographic regions? Well, I think it's something to, to think through. You don't want to be on autopilot and because – the missionary is a friend or relative of a member, um, and you don't want to necessarily just cut anything out. For us, we're thinking through specifically unreached people groups. Okay. So we're thinking of the darkest regions in the world where there isn't a gospel witness. You know, as a mission agency, we're trying to focus more on that. And as a church, we're focusing more on that. So that doesn't mean that I'll say no to projects and missionaries in Brazil, but it does mean I'm going to think a lot more. And as a pastoral staff missions committee, we're going to be more intent on the 1040 window. Okay. Doesn't mean that, you know, we're strictly just on that, but we are thinking about more purposely, more intentionally, where, where is the gospel not? Where are the darkest regions, the unreached people groups, and how can we be involved 
in taking the gospel to those areas, making disciples, planting indigenous churches. All right, next one. Develop missionary interests, talents, opportunities within the church. So as you're living this out, okay, and you're supporting these missionaries, so let's come back because I know this is a vital part of what you do. So how? what are just, uh, just a couple of key things on developing this within your church? So then you're sending out your own. yeah, Right. So as missions pastor at Morningside, I'm very focused on how can we develop homegrown missionary okay. talent in our church? Uh, are we identifying it? Uh, so if a, a young person, a teenager says, I'm, I'm interested in missions that it doesn't fall through the cracks. And so communicating with our children's ministry leaders, student pastor, uh, college ministry, and having a, a strategy, a plan of attack. In our missions conference, we try to have an interactive display that that's going to connect more with children and connect with them. Uh, Our youth group goes on a mission trip every year. We're encouraging internships. We include that in our missions budget. So there's a section of the missions budget that's not just going to foreign missionaries, but it's helping our young people go on mission trips, go on internships, give them opportunities to, to be with missionaries. So just thinking through, there's a lot of creative ways to do that but kind of having a strategy and not just being on autopilot, but thinking through what are some things that we can do. So as a pastor, those in our church, uh, especially young people, as well as older people, sometimes God calls those that are retired and they go to the mission field and, and serve for two, three, four years. Sure. So thinking through that and being, being prepared. All right, so next quick question. So as we develop the missions policy, let's, so let's just say a church has not had one. They develop one. So then now how are they going to communicate this to the missionaries that they've already been supporting 20 years? All right, so how, what would be your recommendation, Dave, as, as again, because you're a pastor as well as a director of the mission board, mission agency. So what would be your recommendation? All right, so the church listens to all this. They look at the policies and the show notes. They develop it. How do they communicate it? Well, one tool that you can use, if you have an evaluation process, like where every year, every two years, you send a questionnaire to find out how they're doing on their support, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, asking these other questions, that's something that you could include. Okay. And say, by the way, this is, uh, you know, probably want to share your doctrinal statement, confession of faith, as well as your, uh, philosophy of missions and just say, Hey, can you just say, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. I'm on board here. Maybe you don't want to do the whole entire missions philosophy, but the missionary right. requirements or what you're looking for in your missionaries. Pro- the other side of it is I think probably one of the best ways to do it is informally. And that takes communication. Yeah. So where you're communicating with your missionaries yeah either while they're on the field, if you can do a field visit, that's ideal, or when they're in the States, have lunch with them, uh, have dinner with them. And just through informal conversation, ask about how the ministry is going. What What is sure. their philosophy? Are things really moving forward in training national leadership and taking the steps to see those church that they're planning become independent and indigenized. And so a lot of times define indigenized just for our listeners. I mean, because this is our goal, right? 
right. for each ministry to become a, so define that for us. So what would that look like? Well, the, the classic definition is self-governing, self-supporting, self-propagating. Okay. So the church is able to stand on their own. You've transferred over to local national leadership. Uh, they're able to support themselves through a variety of ways, depending on their context. Right. And then what we love to see is that fruit of they're reproducing. So they're making disciples in their community. Amen. They're adopting the Great Commission. They're planning new churches. They're sending missionaries. And obviously that's going to look different in different contexts, but that's ultimately what you want to see. So then these missionary church plants become partners in the Great Commission in reaching to other unreached people groups or other regions that are unevangelized or uh less evangelized in reaching those people with the gospel. So that is the multiplication of disciple making, right? That's the way disciple making, you know, I mean, Acts 1-8, of course, you have that pattern, but but also that this is the way. So your missions philosophy as you're developing it should, that should be the end goal. Or I mean, the, the total goal is to glorify the Lord. We know that, okay? But the end goal is to be producing indigenous churches that are then supporting other missions, missionary efforts in their area, and that's the way we're trying to reach the world. Is that a, is, that's a very simplified way to put it, I know. But- right. And I want to encourage pastors, you know, love, support, encourage your missionaries. Mm. But realize missionaries are just like everybody else. And so that accountability, don't just assume that healthy indigenous missiology is happening. And right. missionaries can get discouraged, can get in ruts. Things can start falling through the cracks. Obviously, mission agencies are very key in helping in this accountability. But you as the local church, all GFA, Open Door, like-minded mission agencies, we all recognize it's the local church that's the authority in missions. And so you want to take that and you want to have a good understanding of missiology yourself, what it looks like, what those building blocks are. Not that, you know, you you confront or, but you can encourage your missionaries in it and just ask good questions that can help them, encourage them and hold them accountable in a good sense. Yeah. And I was with one missionary we supported and outside the mission agency that he was out from under, not even his home pastor had been to see him and he'd been on the field 20 years and it breaks your heart because he's sitting there in tears. Thanks for coming. And yeah. so I, I, with you, just, I want to encourage pastors to find a way to get to the field. Okay. Uh, we're almost out of time. Let me ask you one more question that I think, uh, we got so many questions here not answered. So or not asked yet. Okay. So uh, with the missions policy, all right. So I'm a missionary coming to Morningside and I'm saying, okay, I, I would like to, uh, be a missionary out. I, I would like for you to support me. Do you have them sign the mission policy as a, or is this just a verbal agreement that, okay, I, I understand your mission policy. I agree with it. Is that something they sign as a statement or is that just something you verbally agree to? With new missionaries, uh, if I don't know them very well, especially we'll have a, a questionnaire as kind of like step one. Okay. And in that, you know, we'll address our philosophy. This is what we're looking for, or we'll ask questions that kind of sync up with that. 
And then typically what I try to do is have a conversation with them. So before we would consider inviting them to present their ministry, I really like to sit down and, and just talk with them. Right. Okay. And, and again, I think a lot of times you can make more progress informally. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then if we decide, yeah, we want them to come present their ministry, we're definitely considering partnering with them. If we get to the point that we bring them to the deacons and to the congregation uh, as new missionaries, then we would definitely say, hey, this is as part of that process. This is our uh, philosophy of mission statement, our policy statement principles and share that with them so they understand where we're coming from. So, but right off the bat, I probably wouldn't. It would be more informally right. uh, unless I send them a preliminary questionnaire, which we do sometimes. Got it. Okay. I was just trying to lay some nuts and bolts out uh, for that. And I agree with you. And that's that's the way we prefer to do it as well. Okay. There are going to be a lot of resources in the show notes. In fact, the more the, in this podcast and more resources that Dave has provided than any other podcast we've ever done. Cause you've given us books on developing a philosophy of missions. You've given us, um, your missions policy. So I do want to encourage our watchers and listeners to go to the show notes and, and, um, and get all the, the great information that Dave Smith's given us. Okay. Final comments. What would you, how would you wrap up this whole thing in 30 seconds? Yeah, I would encourage pastors read on missions. Okay. And maybe, you know, at least one book on missions a year. Um, you know, there's a lot of good resources, blogs, information like that. And then if you're working with your missions committee, had a sister church here in town that was working through a particular topic as a missions committee, and a missions pastor asked me to come and meet with them, and I met with them about an hour, yeah. just talked some things with them. So sure. uh, a lot of great resources through GFA and Open Door and other really good mission agencies where we want to help. And if we can't Amen. come in person, you know, use Zoom. So reach out to mission agencies that can help you work through some of these things if you've got questions and need help. Thank you so much, Dave Smith. Um, pastor of missions at Morningside Baptist Church in Greenville, as well as the director of Open Door Baptist Missions. Dave, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.